0: So it would appear that our dream home has been reduced to a fixer-upper. I know you'll set everything right. Just not for us. No, not for us. It's time. Should we head home? Yeah.
1: From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the MCU Diaries. It's a podcast dedicated to every Marvel Studios series on Disney Plus. So sit back, relax, and let's break down Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Hello everybody, welcome back. Today, we are talking about episode 109 of WandaVision, the series finale. I'm your host, Blake Larson, and I love me some WandaVision. I love this television show, and the finale is an incredible finale for this show. Um, Though there are some significant issues that... I think we have to talk about and deal with, but on the whole, I think the, the, the series finale certainly closes out everything that we need for our main character in Wanda and all that she has gone through in this entire series. And I also think it is a fantastic uh, bridge for what phase four of the MCU will be. There's a lot happening in WandaVision and I think we could talk about it more as a series on a whole in a future episode of the MCU diaries. But I also think, and I'm very proud of the fact that WandaVision has stood its ground. It didn't capitulate to all the fan theories. It stayed very true to its theme. It stayed very true to Wanda. It had a story in mind and it wanted to tell that story. And it did, it didn't, give in to what is so easily given into when it comes to a show like this, or even the MCU in general is okay. What's the next big thing? What's the next big tease? Is there going to be um, a cameo from Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange or is, is Fiatro actually Mephisto and all, all of these things, it's all there. It could have easily been done But the show stayed measured, and I'm so proud of it for doing what it did and how it decided to end its story. But again, there are some issues that we're going to be talking about. We'll get there in a little bit. In the meantime, though, I wanted to remind you that you can visit maryandblake.com to check out all of the great podcasts that we have there, including Outlander Cast and Bridgerton with Mary and Blake, This Is Us Too, The Podiverse. There's a whole slew of podcasts that we have. And you don't want to miss out on them. And if you want to read the written version of this essay, you can, again, just go to marianblake.com, look up the MCU Diaries, the blog version, and it is all there. I'll be sure to include the link in the show notes for a later time if you so choose to go back and read what I have, uh, well, at least what I'm going to discuss here. Well, let's get to it, shall we? Let's get into this episode.
0: One division, one- WandaVision. WandaVision. WandaVision.
1: WandaVision. division WandaVision. Division. Yes, WandaVision, this has come to an end. It is this, episode 109, the season one finale called the series finale. It is a deeply satisfying conclusion to the operative theme of this story that is being told in WandaVision. And I think the finale shows the viewer that not all good things must end. Rather, they must transform. For the past eight episodes and leading into this episode, we have watched Wanda Maximoff succumb to her grief, deny her trauma, fight against anybody who questioned her newly engineered reality, and ultimately confront her sorrow in an unexpected and poignant fashion. That, of course, starting in the last episode previously on, when she goes through a whole bullet point, (laughs) Uh, oh, PowerPoint presentation of her entire grief-stricken life. But of course, with all grief and trauma and all of the issues that take place with Wanda, the show isn't necessarily just a study on grief necessarily as much as it is a journey through grief and ultimate catharsis. Catharsis being the emotional release after some sort of trauma, or when you reconcile a certain subject or you reconcile a certain emotion, there has to be a release of that emotion somehow, and we have come to a catharsis. At least in this episode, um, a sort of catharsis. Wanda's story up to and even through this episode I think is a perfect amalgam of theme and plot. The events of the plot, whether it is the creation of Westview or Wanda going through her PowerPoint presentation of her grief or even the conversation she has with Vision and her children ultimately, the events of the plot, even her confrontation with Agatha, have brought Wanda on this journey to emotional catharsis that she needs to move forward as a character in a larger world. In other words, Wanda begins our season of WandaVision one way, grief-stricken, terrified of being alone, and truly unaware of who she actually is. She doesn't know that she's the Scarlet Witch, that she has these latent powers, that she is, in fact, more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. We'll get to that in a minute. She even unknowingly creates a whole world at Westview to deny and make sure that she doesn't experience the kind of grief that has since defined her life. By the end of this episode, however, Wanda's every characteristic that we just named, the one, every single one that defined her up until this point, well, every one of those characteristics evolves into the opposite in almost every single manner. Upon the conclusion of the series finale, we bear witness to a new version of Wanda, one who doesn't need anyone to tell her, who she is, what she can and cannot do. And we see a Wanda who can confidently choose reality over her creation. That, of course, being Westview and her family and all of the love and relationships she's cultivated since creating Westview. Well, at least the fictionalized version of it. Wanda literally closing the door on her sleeping boys and letting her her, oh, pardon the pun, but vision of sadness, hope, and love slip through her fingers into the ether as a definitive exclamation point to an emotional catharsis for Wanda. She is able to move forward. Her release is her acknowledgement and her acceptance of her grief. Considering the MCU mm, DNA of a flagship show like this, it's also a surprising and relatively muted ending. That ending staying singularly focused on crafting its characters out of its operative theme. It stayed focused, pinpoint focused, on Wanda and her emotional trauma and thereby catharsis. First, though, Let's talk about theme. Let's understand it. And what I mean by theme, this is a huge Mary and Blake commandment. If you're a big Mary and Blake media listener, you know we have commandments. And one of the first commandments is that theme is not just a word. It is not just a a statement. It it can't be that. And I've learned this from a a very famous book uh, by John York. And I keep referring back to it as is one of those books that I referred to last episode. In Into the Woods, a five act journey uh, into story, John York defines theme as this A theory is posited, an argument explored, and a conclusion reached. That, in a nutshell, is what theme is. Subject matter is a static given. Theme, on the other hand, is an active exploration of an idea. It's a premise to be explored. It is a question. Theme is always a question. Theme is not love or brotherhood or war. It's how does war affect humanity? What will one do for love? It's always a question. In this particular case... In WandaVision, our subject matter is static. It's Wanda and all of the characters surrounding her. But our theme, or question, if you will, well, that is a tad more complex. By the end of the series finale, we see Wanda reconcile her grief with her choices, which leads to an emotional catharsis, as we've talked about, and her leaving Westview. At the same time, however, she admits that As the Scarlet Witch, she doesn't understand her power, though she will unearth more about it soon. So it's now a matter of grief and identity. My contention in light of this is that our operative theme for WandaVision on the whole is how does one overcome grief when one doesn't even know who they are anymore? How does one overcome grief when one doesn't know who they are anymore? The whiz-bang MCU action may have taken up most of the finale's runtime, and it certainly was well-executed and exciting, if that is what you're here to, to watch. I suspect, though, what really mattered to Jack Schaefer as the showrunner and whoever is listening to this podcast, the more quieter moments are more important the quieter moments that actually define the characters who we are watching, who we've come to love, who we've come to care about. One ounce of bittersweet goodbyes to children laying down in bed who are completely unaware of their impending erasure, or turning a lamp on to simply witness the physical embodiment of one's love— That is far more definitive than a full hour of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. And speaking of Rock'em Sock'em Robots, by the way, we do get some vision on vision crime. Did the white vision tease pay off? Well, that's debatable. I mean, yes, in this episode, there was some good aerial combat, and there was some cool phasing in and out, and there was a general destruction of a perfectly innocent library, by the way. But including White Vision last episode was a serious tease. It meant to feel like it was going to totally alter the outcome of WandaVision and how it will be concluded. In fact, it felt like there was not enough time to conclude everything that was supposed to happen in this finale. But the inclusion of White Vision in this episode didn't significantly alter the plot for Wanda, or even for Faux Vision, who I think I will refer to as Fission now—not Vision, but Fission, because you know, Fission, Fission, Faux in F. Never mind. It was as if the writers did not know how to handle Fission, because if he joined Wanda in the fight against Agatha, then Agatha would have been smoked. She would have been bodied within a second, right? That, that fight would have been over. So they let white vision and Fission duke it out for half the episode in a fight that was totally unrelated to anything else happening in the show. Actually, I call this Star Trek Nemesis disease. If you recall, if you go back to Star Trek Nemesis, which came out in 1998, one of Tom Hardy's first movies, by the way, that is a fun fact. There was a fight between Will Riker and one of the Riemann generals that just took place in a turboshaft <laughs> or um, one of the Jeffries tubes. I can't remember if, what, what it was, but they were just fighting. And it didn't do anything It other than the hashtag spoilers, the Riemann General dies. That's it. It didn't have any effect on any of the plot, on any of the characters, on anything. They just needed Will Riker to do something for the sake of doing it. And they had him fight this guy totally opposite of anywhere else that's happening or anything else that's happening in, in the movie. So that's when you know they don't know what to do with a character. I kind of got the Star Trek nemesis disease feeling in this episode for White Vision and Fission. And this nebulous treatment of Fission's plot is not just a cynical observation based on the fight with White Vision. No, 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 no. It's not just me saying this. The show is actually straight up screaming it in your face. When Fission does try to help Wanda, she inexplicably holds him back with her powers when she's fighting Agatha because of (sighs) reasons. (laughs) That's all I could think of. Reasons. And then Fission lands back on the ground with nothing to do other than just look up at the fight and tell his children that everything is going to be okay. The plot needed Fission to be grounded once his fight with White Vision was over. So, he was grounded. (laughs) And he didn't do anything. All is not lost, though, as it relates to Fission, because we do witness some college freshman-level philosophy debate about the ship of Theseus, while in mid-fight between, or aerial flight, (laughs) between he and White Vision. And for clarification, the ship of Theseus conundrum has been a widely debated theory among dime store professors and stoner college kids who just who've been staring at their Led Zeppelin stairway to heaven glow in the dark lyrics poster for just way too long, basically since college was invented. And I will play that scene for you here because it is much better said by Paul Bettany than me.
0: You are familiar with the thought experiment, the ship of Theseus in the field of identity metaphysics. Naturally, the ship of Theseus is an artifact in a museum. Over time, its planks of wood rot and are replaced with new planks. When no original plank remains, is it still the ship of Theseus? Secondly, if those removed planks are restored and reassembled free of the rot, is that the ship of Theseus? Neither is the true ship. Both are the true ship. Well then we are agreed. But I do not have the Mind Stone. And I do not have one single ounce of original material. Perhaps the rot is the memories. The wear and tear of the voyages. The wood touched by Theseus himself. I have not retained memories. But you do have the data.
1: It is merely being
0: kept from you.
1: Obviously, you can see how this applies to both white vision and fission. One having the physical body of vision itself and the other retaining the psychology behind vision. Both are vision, yet neither are vision. That is until Fission unlocks White Vision's memories, and without missing a beat, White Vision declares that he is Vision while jetting off never to be seen again. So, did it pay off? Yes. And no. Because what did White Vision's inclusion in this series do? Well, nothing. Again, it's a little bit of Star Trek Nemesis Syndrome. But, Will White Vision come back into the story at a later time? Well, you can guarantee it. And that is the issue with storytelling the way that the MCU has done it. It's always about the next big thing. What is the thing that's coming? What is the next storyline? How are we going to set up the next storyline in the, the, the show or the movie that we are watching right now? But as I said earlier... The show, WandaVision, does stick singularly focused on its main character with Wanda. So, as for this episode of television, did White Vision really do anything other than give us a 10 cent philosophy lesson? Again, no. But at the same time, yes. Like the Ship of Theseus, or any Kardashian marriage, (laughs) it is complicated. The Ship of Theseus debate or conundrum It definitely directly relates to the debate between Vision or Fission and White Vision, but because the show is singularly focused on its main character, it also, the debate, serves as a mirror for Wanda's ultimate fate. Strictly adhering to that theme that Jack Schaefer has cast for WandaVision, Schaefer forces Wanda to undergo an emotional transformation in letting go of her trauma and the sitcom life that she, Wanda, has willingly set in motion while residing within Westview. Additionally, Jack Schaefer pushes Wanda to face a physical and metaphysical transformation in accepting the mantle of the Scarlet Witch. And by the end of the second credit scene, we witness Wanda in a solitary cabin somewhere in the mountainous woods after she has left Westview. But if you notice, and I don't know how you didn't notice, but if he didn't, there is a second Wanda flipping through the Darkhold, which we all know is that uh, book that was once held in Agatha's basement, the one that she referred to as the Darkhold. It's the Book of the Damned. It's a set of spells Now, are there literally two Wanda's? No, there is the physical entity of Wanda. We see sipping coffee on the steps as the camera zooms in on her cabin. And as it pans through the house and we go into the bedroom, we see that there is a second Wanda dressed in full Scarlet Witch attire. That second Scarlet Witch or that second Wanda exists only on an astral plane floating in the air, While, again, flipping through the dark hole. Essentially, they are the same person doing two things at once. Think of Doctor Strange in the Doctor Strange films, how he's able to separate his astral self from his physical self. And any of the other movies that he is able to uh, be in, how he separates himself in the different planes of existence. This separation of the Wanda's at the end of this episode is a very straightforward way of dissecting Wanda's version of the 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 ship of Theseus Conundrum. At this point, we have to ask ourselves, which is the real Wanda? Is it the coffee-sipping Wanda, or is it the astral plane Scarlet Witch Wanda? That debate, though, it dives much deeper than the final credit scene or the final stinger. As we've already noted, Wanda started our show, uh, e- heck, even our first this episode, she started it one way and then ended in a completely different way. Through the season-long events of our plot, Wanda has been tested and her core beliefs questioned right down to her lowest point yet— when she is physically wasted away in mid-air while fighting Agatha. As she notes, Agatha takes away the powers of those who are undeserving, and when all hope seems to be lost, Wanda regains her power via some plot-induced runes and physically alters Agatha for what could be an eternity. By the way, the irony of Agatha, who so desperately wanted her mother to accept Agatha's true form, the the irony of her being transformed into a nosy neighbor, being imprisoned in a town that she does not want to be in, is not lost on me, or I think even the theme. From this point forward, Agatha will have to find acceptance, and she does, but only in a form she truly despises, one that is not her true form, one that has been made for her, one that when she was confronted in this nature before she lashed out and killed her mother (laughs) she will only be accepted in a form she truly despises and furthermore given what we know about wanda's transformation from the townspeople of westview it's more than likely that agatha will be aware of wanda's control over her but will not have the agency to fight it This is such a delicious, spectacular punishment for Agatha, a witch who clashed with Wanda over her knowledge and power. She, Agatha, will have the knowledge, but no power to do anything about it. Oh, my goodness gracious, excellent stuff. But in spite of all the computer-enhanced wizardry on display during the Agatha and Wanda aerial battle, the fight for Wanda's soul does raise a serious question, one that builds on... The question at heart which version of Wanda is the real Wanda? Is Wanda in light of the ship of Theseus conundrum? Is Wanda the person with a once rotten core but who is now healed when she can lovingly embrace her children and fishing at the end of episode? Or is Wanda the Scarlet Witch? someone who took on a literal and figurative transformation in her being, with her new powers and her new outfit, just subbing in for what would be the new wooden planks on the ship of Theseus. To further build on this question, now that Wanda has reached an emotional catharsis by the end of the finale, can Wanda even be Wanda without her grief? If not, who is she now? And most importantly, Who will she be going forward? Agatha talks about taking powers away from those who don't deserve it. Is Wanda deserving of these new Scarlet Witch powers? Is she deserving of the knowledge within the Darkhold? Will that transform Wanda, and will her actions fulfill the prophecy of the Scarlet Witch, who is supposed to be the chaos bringer, the destroyer of worlds, as it was laid out by Agatha? These are important character questions for our Wanda. And now we can start to see why Elizabeth Olsen and, naturally, Wanda will be co-starring in the new future Doctor Strange film, The Multiverse of Madness. Perhaps Wanda does fulfill her destiny of becoming the destroyer of the world in the next film and transform into the villain that Monica suggested she would become back in 107. And now that Wanda, at the end of our episode here in the final credit scene, is messing with the Darkhold, and her powers supersede that of the Sorcerer Supreme, I'm pretty sure the current Sorcerer Supreme, Stephen Strange, will have something to say about Wanda altering the natural order of magic. Because that's his job. He keeps things in order. He doesn't let unnatural magic just happen because the people feel like it. His job is to protect the realm. But I won't go into that because that's another story for another article. I, like Jack Schaefer. want to stay on our thesis. I want to stay on our theme. What's most impressive about this finale is that it seems to build on some dialogue shared between Vision and Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron. In one of the final scenes, Vision confronts Ultron, and despite the bombastic nature of everything happening around them when they're taking out all the different drones that Ultron has created and the the Sokovia is flying, in the middle of all of this, a fairly philosophical conversation once again receives the top billing treatment between Ultron and Vision.
0: You're afraid. Of you? Of death. You're the last one. You were supposed to be the last. Stark asked for a savior, and settled for a slave. I suppose we are both disappointments. (laughs) I suppose we are. Humans are odd. They think order and chaos are somehow opposites and. Try to control what won't be. But there is grace in their failings. I think you missed that. They're doomed. Yes. But a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. It's a privilege to be among them. You're unbearably naive. Well. I was born yesterday.
1: That right there is perfect. Yes, Vision was born yesterday. And this conversation, it's so Joss Whedon, and it is awesome. By the way, Avengers Age of Ultron, at the time when it first came out, I was very, very lukewarm on it. But looking back now and seeing what it had to do, (laughs) that film is remarkable. The fact that it was even made the way that it was, is a, a a testament to MCU storytelling. Uh it it, it I mean just as a quick aside, the Avengers Age of Ultron had to move the story forward but not too much forward because it's basically the two towers. <laughs> it is the two towers of the MCU. And it had to wrap up everything from phase 3 uh or sorry, phase 2, but then introduce phase 3 at the same time. It was such a remarkable film and Uh, so emotionally grounded in its characters, really good stuff. But notice here, Vision says that chaos and order are the opposites. That's what at least humans think, and yet they try to control everything that isn't. It is no coincidence that the Scarlet Witch is being referred to as chaos magic or the chaos bringer. Whether or not humanity is doomed because of Wanda or something or someone else, that, as it relates to Avengers Age of Ultron, that is irrelevant. Humanity is doomed nonetheless, at least as it's posited by Vision and Ultron. But as Vision suggests, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Wanda, in this particular case of WandaVision, she cannot remain as she was or... Even as she is, Wanda must evolve. She must move past Agatha, her kids, and yes, even Fission, the embodiment of her pain and suffering, love, loss, and hope. After she releases the town from Wanda's grip and the townsfolk share the pain that they've been suffering from because of Wanda's nightmares, Agatha suggests to Wanda, well, power isn't her problem. Can't win, Wanda. Power isn't your problem, it's knowledge.
0: Give me your power, and
1: I will correct the flaws in your original spell.
0: And you... People of Westview can all live together in peace, and no one will ever have to feel this pain again—not even you.
1: And it's at this point Wanda decides, or at least recognizes who she is and what she is. What you see on the screen is the the Scarlet Witch headdress appears. On Wanda 's head, all while Agatha is talking about not feeling pain, you can see Wanda seem to capitulate. you see her thinking, you think, "Oh my God, maybe she is going to do this." Maybe, okay, yeah, you can you can have all, all of my power. That's fine. But as she's thinking, you see Wanda 's eyes shifting. And when she recognizes that the Scarlet Witch headdress, that is her, her perception changes. Wanda's journey through this story and even this episode, everything that we have seen, the denial, the hatred, the uh, grief, the trauma, the uh, even the PowerPoint presentation that we received, all of those things make up Wanda who she is. And it's taught her something far more important than, I don't want to feel anymore. It has taught her Westview and the life that she's forged within its cosmic bubble walls is fake. Even her children. Even Fission. Wanda's feelings throughout this whole season, very real. But they have been hidden. Shunning that pain and denying that knowledge is the ultimate wall holding Wanda Back. She's given the choice between her family and the thousands, I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands of people in Westview, and it's a decision that she knows she has to make right. As such, when Wanda bursts out and destroys all those witches and casts Agatha out back into reality, Wanda no longer has any reason to be afraid of her feelings, her trauma, and most of all, Agatha. And then as things transition, writing in a literal wall of transformation to bear down on Wanda and her family after she has made this choice, recognizing the only thing holding her back is her own wall of grief. Well, this is a perfect writing tool, as it puts an emotional ticking clock on our characters we have now grown attached to over the past nine episodes. We see the end of Wanda's world coming, and they both, Wanda and Vision, acknowledge it and accept it. And even though she must know that she has to make it right, Wanda turns off the lamp in her family room after saying goodbye to her children. Her last defense mechanism, the defense mechanisms that we talked about last episode, the last defense mechanism kicks in. She cannot bear witness to losing the love of her life once more. So she hopes to turn the light off, to not see it again. But, as he helped Wanda through her grief and her flashbacks, Vision once again helps Wanda with her courage to let go. Wanda, I know we can't stay like this,
0: but before I go, I feel I must know, what am I? You, Vision, are the piece of the Mind Stone that lives in me. You are a body of wires and blood and bone that I created. You are my sadness and my hope. But mostly you're my love.
1: At this point, Wanda's catharsis is complete. She can admit to herself and to Fission, himself that their world is not real but that doesn't make it like harry potter just because it's in your head doesn't make it any less real it may be a made-up world and fission may be the embodiment of all of the feelings that wanda has faced and felt but she's okay to let go of it now she's okay to move forward I have been a voice with
0: no body. A body but not human and now... A memory... Made real. Who knows what I might be next? We have said
1: to we'll yes, as we watch the hex come barreling down on the Wanda Vision house, Vision slowly disappears and disintegrates right out of Wanda's hands. He says, Goodbye, darling. It is a literal disintegration of wanda's final defense mechanism she's finally able to physically let go of everything that came before it's an incredible scene (laughs) a a daringly awesome scene (laughs) so long darling are his last words before the whole illusion comes to an end And also note here, too, that the scene transitions from a hard night setting to an immediate midday setting, which again gives us the imagery of the dawn of a new day. A new day has come, a new person has been formed, and a whole new world is ready for Wanda. And this is where Vision's words from Ultron start to ring a little bit more true to me. Recognition of the beauty in Westview and the inevitable collapse of that beauty, albeit forced by Agatha, is ultimately Wanda's true catharsis by the end of this story. After enduring the final test of judgment and the scornful looks from the residents of Westview, Wanda knows she has made everything right and flies off into the distance, adorning her new Scarlet Witch identity. And as of this moment, chaos and order are not opposites, as it's suggested in Avengers Age of Ultron. Wanda has moved beyond that. She is the embodiment of chaos magic, and yet she's trying to put order to it. They are the same for Wanda at this moment. Where she's gone wrong as she's tried to control everything in between to disastrous results, she has changed. She has evolved into something more. Is it for the better? Perhaps. Then again, perhaps not. Because as we know, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Time for apropos of nothing for episode 109 of WandaVision, the series finale. You'll notice that in this entire episode and in the article, I do not touch any none zero zip zilch of the sword stuff in this episode and i don't because it was trash <laughs> it was it was trash all of it and it's not the show's fault because it, the show isn't concerned necessarily with sword sword is just a means to an end it's just connective tissue everything with jimmy woo all of it it's just connective tissue to the larger mcu The show, again, was focused on Wanda in telling her story. They had to include the sword stuff. Because that's probably just what was mandated. Again, we're talking about a good story that has MCU connectivity, not an MCU that has connectivity to Wanda. For example, Jimmy Woo somehow has a safety pin that appears out of thin air and that allows him to unlock his handcuffs. Come on, man. What are we talking about here? The safety pin had no significance earlier in the, in the, in the show. And it just, he just happens to have a safety pin. Like who carries a safety pin around and a safety pin can magically unlock handcuffs. If that were the case, where, what where, where are all the criminals with, with the secret knowledge Is it something that only a cop possesses? Because again, as we know, cops can uh, hotwire every single car and now they can unleash themselves from any set of handcuffs because of a, a safety pin. And also for Jimmy Woo, despite the fact there are three guards who are behind him watching his every move, Woo somehow manages to snatch a cell phone right in front of Hayward and in front of these three guards who who brought him to Hayward and no one notices this? The guy who was sitting next to Hayward and Wu at the computer doesn't say, hey, where the hell did my phone go? (laughs) What are we talking about? Oh, Lazy writing. Speaking of Hayward, he is the real bad guy from SWORD. Uh, just another way to not trust government agencies. It's it's like a a, a low rent shield situation at this point. I mean, like whoop-dee-doo, whatever, man. Okay, so and, and then not only that, not only is he like the bad guy, but the hex breaks down, and this is the moment. This is what he has been waiting for, Hayward, for this entire series. The hex is breaking down. He's able to go. And he does. He gets in his truck and he drives. And he drives. And he gets there. And that's it. That's all that happens. That's all that Sora does. They just get there. Because they get owned by Wanda's kids. That's it. And he just sticks around. <laughs> Lazy riding. Dr. Darcy has a mini cameo in this episode when she, too, appears out of thin air to do her one thing, and that is crash into Hayward. Hayward doesn't get out of the car. Darcy doesn't get out of the car. She just says, have fun in prison, and he squints his eyes at her. And that's the last we hear of him do anything. I mean, yes, again, he does try to shoot uh, the boys, but that's all he does. Nothing else happens. And then not only that, Darcy just disappears. <laughs> she disappears and her her the her, the explanation for her disappearance was like, well, yeah, she just, you know, government agent, she doesn't want to be around it. What? This is a person you've been using this entire series, someone that you've actually spent time on and the, her disappearance is just, yeah, okay, that's it. Nothing. <laughs> Lazy writing. Monica's powers don't mean a whole ton to the plot either. I mean, she is only a vehicle for something else. When that being like we talked about uh, Hayward shooting bullets at Wanda's kids, it shows that she has powers. That's it. Oh, and she helps prove that Hayward is the bad guy. That's it. Her, Her gaining of these powers don't help Wanda in any way. They don't help herself in any other way other than maybe trying to sacrifice herself for for Wanda's kids. But that is it. My opinion, lazy writing. There is a fun bit of subversion from the writers here in making Pietro nothing more than just an actor who lived in Westview, who was given Pietro's powers, or at least the illusion of Pietro's powers, by Agatha is this stunt casting perhaps? But at least it opens up the window for all of these characters who have existed in these separate studios uh, in separate universes. It opens up a window here to for these characters to come back and forth between these universes if that is what the MCU chooses to do. It was a fun bit of subversion to use this as um, as as an inroad for WandaVision to get to the much larger business aspect of Disney, the MCU and Fox and everybody else. It's fun. A tad disingenuous, but fun boys go handle the military. Mommy will be right back. (laughs) This is a ridiculous line in every way, but it is at the same time. So awesome. I I love this line and the fact that they were just able to just totally body all of sword. These kids, it was great. The scene between Wanda and her boys, she says, boys, I'm sorry. She says, family is forever. We could never truly leave each other. Even if we tried, you know that, right? This is right before she shuts the door on her former life. <laughs> but she follows it up with, Boys, thanks for choosing me to be your mom. Perhaps this is why Wanda can hear their voices call to her in the credits scene. Maybe the beginning of the multiverse was not Pietro, but perhaps the beginning of the multiverse is rooted in Wanda's love of her children. Different but very similar to the emotional affect the creation of the multiverse or the introduction of the multiverse would have as it is related to the very personal relationship between Wanda and her children. Very good stuff. The cop who beckoned Monica in the mid credit scene is a scroll Yes, the shapeshifters who were in Captain Marvel and uh, the guy and also uh, one of the Skrulls posed as Nick Fury in Spider-Man Far From Home. This particular scroll suggests that Monica is having to go back up into space in order to chat with an old friend. This is either Nick Fury, who was last seen on a scroll ship in Spider-Man Far From Home, or Talos as played by Ben Mendelsohn who is there on that ship with Nick Fury at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. Very cool moment. That little hand-wavy, nightmare-inducing moment that Wanda performs on Agatha is a callback to her powers, uh, Wanda's powers, in Age of Ultron. She forced all the Avengers to face their deepest fears, and she does the same to Agatha. Which then further proves my theme and thesis idea that Wanda is taking advantage of her deepest fears, and so Agatha also, too, was uh, facing her deepest fear of being... Uh, accepted. That goes back to that moment, which is why her ultimate fate of being accepted in a, in a guise that she absolutely despises is is tremendous. The movie playing at the theater in the unhexed version of Westview is called Tannha- Tannhauser Gate, which is uh, actually a really great movie reference to Roy Batty's fate uh, at the end of Blade Runner. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to, there's a whole. <laughs> there's, you got to go watch Blade Runner just to appreciate it. And after Wanda smashes a car into Agatha, we see Black Boots underneath the damaged car, which of course is another great movie reference. But in this case, it's for the Wicked Witch's fate in The Wizard of Oz. And lastly, good night, chaps. What a great line. I will make it my goal to say this to my kids every night before bed. Of course, it'll never happen. (laughs) But my headcanon, it says, it it will tell me that it does. (laughs) And that is it, ladies and gents. This is the longest episode of the MCU Diary so far, and with good reason. This was an incredible episode when it relates to Wanda. As it relates to everything else, not so great. Um, the, the, The sword and the MCU of it all. And it really depends on what you're watching WandaVision for. Are you watching WandaVision for Wanda, the character? Or are you watching it for the MCU? Are you watching it to see the next big thing? Are you watching it to see how this connects? What will this lead to? Were you watching it for the big cameos? Are you watching it for that stuff? Because if you are, that's cool, man. Like that, you do you. That show, WandaVision is not meant for that. WandaVision is for those of us and the viewers who want to understand Wanda and uh, appreciate the study and grief and trauma. I I understand why some people don't like WandaVision, especially the finale of it. I get it. I truly, I do. Um, But for me, it makes sense. And for me, it is a perfect deconstruction of trauma and then catharsis. That is it though. Let's close this bad boy out, shall we? Even though WandaVision is now over, that does not mean the MCU Diaries podcast is over. No, 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 no. We will be back here right after the premiere of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on March 19th. Oh yes, we'll be going over all of the shows that the MCU is putting out on Disney+. Plus. So we will be back. And we will probably also, before that, have a season wrap-up of WandaVision. I'm still thinking about that. Well, We'll see if we can put that together. In the meantime, though, go to maryandblake.com to check out all the great podcasts that we have in between these series. And go to jointhenerdclan.com, where you can help support an independently produced and owned podcast and podcast company like Mary and Blake Media... We are just two people trying to put this stuff and put good content together for you. And if you go to jointhenerdclan.com, you get a bunch of great bonus podcasts and premium episodes to these podcasts and book clubs and not to mention the incredible community of nerds who just want to talk about the thing they love most. And whatever it is, if it is Bridgerton or Outlander or WandaVision or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or whatever it is, people love to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. So go there, become part of that community. You don't want to miss out. And just talk about the thing that you love. But that's it. That's it for now. I hate to say goodbye to WandaVision, but I got a feeling we'll say hello again soon.